Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and other cool stuff. Today, I read the sad news from the actor Bruce Willis's family saying he's giving up acting because he's been diagnosed with aphasia, which is a brain disorder that affects people's ability to make and sometimes process language. So I immediately went to an episode we did back in 2016 about aphasia to refresh my memory about what it is and how it works. I barely remembered any of it and found it fascinating, so I thought you'd enjoy it again, too. And although this falls under the other cool stuff part of the podcast, I want to add that it's not cool for Bruce Willis's family. My dad, who raised me, suffered a brain injury when I was in my 20s, and I've been fascinated with the brain ever since. He had all sorts of weird, hard-to-understand problems, like he could remember how to operate the washer, but not the dryer. So although we're talking about aphasia today and all the elements that make it interesting from a language perspective, my heart also goes out to Bruce and his family and all the other people who have aphasia. It's a hard thing to go through or to watch a loved one go through, and I just wanted to acknowledge that up front. Language impairment is often caused by tragic conditions, like aphasia, a type of brain damage. This condition can teach us a lot about how language works. To begin to understand such a complex, fascinating, and ever-changing field, we'll first talk about the human brain and the field devoted to its study. Neurolinguistics is a branch of neuroscience whose goal is to understand the neural aspects of language, such as how the brain processes language. To do research in neurolinguistics, neuroscientists depend largely on impaired language data, not normal language data. In other words, analyzing the patterns in the abnormal speech of someone who suffered an event like a stroke or from someone who has a medical condition like dementia provides information for scientists that normal speech cannot provide. The brain consists of more than 100 billion nerve cells, called neurons, which are connected with fibers. The brain's surface is called the cortex, or gray matter, and is responsible for making decisions, storing memories, initiating action, and, of course, for our knowledge of language and grammar. One of the coolest things about the brain is how it's wrinkled and folded up, because if it weren't, our heads would be enormous— 
The cortex is thin, but quite large in surface area. And we need all of that surface area somehow to fit into the skull. It's like taking a sheet of newspaper and crumpling it into a ball to fit inside a small bowl. In proportion to our bodies, human brains are larger and more intricate than the brains of any other living creature. You may have learned that the brain has two halves, which are known as its hemispheres. Hemi is a prefix that means half. They're connected by the corpus callosum, a network of 200 million fibers. Incredibly, some patients with severe epilepsy need to have this connection surgically removed, and they're still able to function normally. You may also have heard that brain function is contralateral, which means that the left side of the brain controls the right side of the body, and vice versa. Where language is located in the brain is a complicated question. You may have heard that the left hemisphere is responsible for language, and that's mostly true. It's called lateralization when a brain function is localized to one hemisphere. Lateral means side. Scientists have figured this out using technologies such as CT scans and PET scans, which show the areas of the brain that light up when subjects are given various types of language stimuli, and the areas that light up when they get non-linguistic stimuli too. Furthermore, those epileptic patients with the separated hemisphere surgery provide a dramatic illustration of this language-on-the-left idea, because although those patients function just fine after the operation— Controlled experiments show that separating the hemispheres results in some odd language changes. For example, one experiment blindfolded the patients and placed simple objects like keys and pens into one hand at a time. These subjects were able to easily name objects in their right hand because the left hemisphere, where language is located, operates the right hand. However, in the left hand, they recognized the objects but were unable to name them because the right hemisphere operates the left hand but doesn't process language. And more importantly, they're blindfolded and their right hemispheres can no longer communicate with their left hemispheres. So it seems pretty clear that language lives on the left side of the brain, right? Well, it's not that simple. Research, including that same brain scan research, shows that small amounts of language processing are found in the right side of the brain, too, and that the amount varies from person to person. Remarkably, left-handed people are less lateralized for language in that they have significant language representation in both of their hemispheres. Left-handed people also recover from language loss after strokes better than right-handed people because they have language spread out more evenly. In fact, this quicker recovery is also observed in right-handed people who have left-handed people in their family. I found that amazing. But let's back up. Despite the fact that the hemispheres of the brain do a lot of work in concert with each other, there absolutely is a general tendency for language to lateralize left. And the details of this tendency are very interesting, too. The history of neurolinguistics explains a lot about these basic facts, starting with Paul Broca, a French surgeon from the 1800s, 
who noticed language problems in patients who had experienced trauma to the front left portion of the head near the temple. This area of the brain is now known as Broca's area. Around 10 years later, a German neurologist named Karl Wernicke noticed that his language-impaired patients had lesions in the left temporal area, which is the same left hemisphere but farther back. Back then, the discovery could only occur during autopsies, of course. They didn't have scanning. This part of the left hemisphere, like a neighbor to Broca's area, is now known as Wernicke's area. So, aphasia is any disease or trauma-induced brain damage that causes a language disorder. Though most commonly caused by a stroke, it can also be caused by infection, tumors, hemorrhaging, and blows to the head. The worst type is called global aphasia, which causes the patient to be mute. Less severe types of aphasia, where some language is retained, are commonly split into two types— called fluent aphasia and non-fluent aphasia. Fluent aphasics speak fluidly, as the name implies, but they may not make sense when they speak. On the other hand, non-fluent aphasics produce labored speech and have difficulty structuring their sentences, but their messages are more understandable. We'll hear some examples in a minute. In addition, the labored speech in the non-fluent type is usually agrammatic, which means it lacks functional elements of language, such as prepositions, articles, and pronouns. Function words are also called closed class words, because the closed classes don't gain new members very quickly. So people with non-fluent aphasia often form sentences without prepositions, articles, and pronouns, and struggle to get the utterances out. However, they have an easier time with content words, like nouns, verbs, and adjectives. Content words are also called open-class words, because they gain new members all the time. When people develop language disorders, it's devastating to them and their loved ones. However, from a scientific perspective, the process of attempting to understand the disorders and develop treatments has provided us with vast amounts of information about how language works in a general sense. For example, we know that this linguistic distinction between function words and content words isn't just something that linguists made up or imagined. Why? Because much of the non-fluent aphasia, the ones that cause agrammatic speech, is classified as Broca's aphasia because it's caused by damage to Broca's area. Here's an example of an utterance produced by a Broca sufferer, documented by linguist Victoria Fromken. It was in response to the patient being asked if he had been going home on weekends. He said, Why, yes. Thursday. Uh, 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 no. Friday. Bar, ba, ra, wife. And oh, car. Drive. You know rest, and TV. Now, here's an example of how Broca's aphasia affects the sufferer's ability to understand those grammatical components of language. Sentences like the first one I'll read can be harder for Broca's aphasics to understand than sentences like the second one. First, the cat was chased by the dog. Second, the car 
was chased by the dog. They seem so similar, but they're actually different. The sentence, the cat was chased by the dog, requires knowledge of syntax in order to be interpreted, because the sentence is in passive voice, whose word order isn't the most common English order. By the way, the more common English order, which is subject-verb-object, like the cheetah ate the cake, is called canonical. So imagine a sufferer who is lacking the ability to process those functional language pieces, such as the ed, past tense verb ending, and the preposition by. Even the verb was is a function word because it's an auxiliary verb, not a main verb. So when aphasics can only process content words like cat, chase, and dog, they're less likely to correctly process the doer and the receiver of the chasing action in the sentence, the cat was chased by the dog. That's because if you strip the sentence down to content words, it might be cat, chase, dog. So the person with Broca's aphasia may be misled and say that the cat must be doing the chasing because canonical word order in English is the most common and straightforward and puts the subject first. However, the sentence, the car was chased by the dog, has stronger semantic information. Again, that means meaning. Cars are not animate, and cars really don't chase things, so these aphasics may more aptly ascertain or guess that the car is the recipient of the chasing action, even with the tricky word order. Whether something is animate or not is one of the many features that are encoded within every word that we learn in the language we know. In other words, in the sentence, the cat was chased by the dog, semantics does not provide enough information because both cats and dogs can be chasers, and this would be difficult for a speaker who's dependent on semantic knowledge due to having suffered grammar loss. A final example of this function-content distinction, which is both fascinating and sad, is the nature of the dyslexia that aphasics often acquire along with the spoken language loss. In reading tests, because of their difficulty with function words, Broca's patients are unable to read function words out loud from test cards. Yet they can read homophones. Those are words that sound the same but mean something else, if the homophone is a content word. For example, a patient may read the word which, W-I-T-C-H, without a problem, because which is a content word. It's a noun that you can define and picture in your mind. However, this same patient may struggle immensely to read the homophone which, W-H-I-C-H, because which is a relative pronoun, a grammatical closed class word. Now let's talk about damage to Wernicke's area of the brain. The resulting Wernicke's aphasia is a type of fluent aphasia, which means that the speech is not labored, and the sufferers are still able to use function words, like articles and prepositions. Their words most often occur in a grammatically correct order. Instead, they have trouble with picking the right content words. So the Wernicke sufferers may use one content word when they need another, but they speak at a normal pace. They tend to produce meaningless utterances, and they also unfortunately tend not to be able to understand what is spoken to them, 
so meaning is impaired for them in a very general sense. Noam Chomsky, the grandfather of linguistics, created the following sentence to show that in human language, meaning is separate from syntax or word order. He wrote, Colorless green ideas sleep furiously. This sentence sounds a bit like something that someone with Wernicke's aphasia would say. It's grammatically correct in that the word order follows syntactic rules. And, for example, the subject-verb agreement is correct for most English dialects, but it makes no logical sense at all. Colorless green ideas sleep furiously? In addition to this, some Wernicke's aphasics produce nonsense words. Those are words that could be English phonologically, but aren't such as, say, fripple. Some substitute a word that rhymes with the word they want, like tire for fire. Sometimes they produce words that are semantically related to the word they want, like banana for apple. One other interesting thing that this tells us about the brain is that words do not seem to be stored in a list, but rather in neural networks or clusters. Imagine a network in which pool is stored in the brain close to water, swim, dive, wet, blue, and many others. Yet the word also has a neural link to tool, fool, and drool due to shared phonological properties. This concept is illustrated by the errors produced by patients who suffer from language loss. In fact, you may notice that it's illustrated by your own everyday slips of the tongue, too. To wrap up the definition of Wernicke's aphasia, here's a sample patient utterance, also documented by linguist Victoria Fromkin. The patient said, The only thing I can say again is matter or modder fish, sudden fishing sewed into the accident to miss in the purdles. While we can't make sense of this, Notice how the sufferer uses function words like the infinitive to correctly and includes a past tense ending on the verb so. This example also shows no hesitation. And finally, it illustrates some Wernicke-type nonsense words like modder and purdles, which may be a substitute for puddles. In summary, because brain scans show damage to the areas that correspond to the types of aphasia that the patients suffer from, the contrast between these two types of aphasia show us that not only is language mostly lateralized to the left hemisphere, but also that major language components reside in distinct portions of the brain that are designated for them. One is linguistic grammar, meaning word order and function words, which is found in Broca's area. And the other is linguistic meaning, meaning semantics and content words which is found in Wernicke's area. By the way, this distinction between content and function is one that all languages have, and also it's a distinction that linguists refer to as a psychological reality. That means that even people who've never heard of it may observe it unconsciously and even joke about it. There's a funny scene from The Office in which Kevin drops the functional language from his speech. He says things like, stop worry, in a futile and comical attempt to save time. And there's a funny scene from Friends in which Phoebe and Rachel fight over who gets which alternating words on their outgoing voicemail message. They literally designate an expression for content words. They call them the good words. 
Phoebe gets mad because she's stuck with its, a, and and, while Rachel gets Phoebe, Rachel, and leave. You may also notice that children, in their earliest stages of development, produce abbreviated sentences that are missing those functional pieces. Linguists compare this developmental stage to the genre of language that people used to write telegrams years ago, which had low character limits. Missing articles and prepositions saved space, but allowed the message to come through, not unlike Broca's aphasia. A final language concept that we can take away from all this information about language impairment is the overwhelming evidence that the brain is modular, which means it's compartmentalized into specialized sections. Aphasia symptoms have no relationship to any loss in motor skills, intellectual abilities, hearing or physical impairment of language articulators like the tongue or vocal cords. Plus, aphasia in deaf people is extremely similar because signed languages are as equally complex and sophisticated as spoken languages. So this indicates that language is what gets lateralized and localized, not speech and language resides in the mind. We can end with the caveat that aphasia is very complex, and you may have known people who had aphasia but illustrated different symptoms than we had room for today. For instance, some non-fluent aphasics develop dysprosity, which means they lose some intonation and speak more monotone than is normal. Some aphasics simultaneously develop actual speech production impairment, which leads them to struggle with pronunciation, such as reducing consonant clusters like spoon to poon. Some patients are able to recover from aphasia with speech therapy, and some are not. Some research on the general difficulty with naming and defining objects or concepts, called anomia, observe that it occurs in both types of aphasia described in this article while some research classifies it as a separate type, called anomic aphasia. Another twist is that many patients start off with non-fluent aphasia, but progress to a more fluent form with recovery time. There are even other lesser-known areas of the brain, such as Brodmann's, that can affect language when damaged. Some patients may retain the ability to understand both spoken and written language, but lose the ability to speak or write themselves. You may have known people with age-related dementia who forgot words and names, but this condition is more of a cognitive than linguistic deficit and affects different parts of the brain from aphasia, despite sharing many symptomatic similarities. So, there are many variables, and it all depends on the patient, on what parts of the brain are subjected to damage, and on which non-linguistic brain components are damaged along with the linguistic ones. That segment was by Sael Graves, who has a Ph.D. in linguistics and is the assistant director of the Institute for Language Education in Transcultural Contexts. She was also a 40 Under 40 Alumni Award honoree at SUNY New Paltz. You can find her at sielgraves.com. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? 
Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. Finally, I have a family story from Brian. A member of my extended family asked, do you have clothes piled on a chair depression or wear the same hoodie for four months depression in regards to the pandemic? Another member called the former a chair drobe and bingo, we have a new family Thanks, Brian. I can definitely get a chair drobe building up in my bathroom sometimes. Your call got me curious about the word wardrobe, so I looked it up. Edim Online says early on it was a room where you got dressed and stored your clothes. The ward part meant to protect, as in to guard, and the robe part meant clothes. So it was a room that protected your clothes. So it even makes etymological sense that a chair robe would be a chair that holds your pile of clothes. If you want to call with the story of your family act, a word your family and only your family uses, you can leave a voicemail at 833214-GIRL. Call from a nice quiet place and I might play it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. Thanks to my editor, Adam Cecil, and my audio engineer, Nathan Sims, who's looking forward to getting his garden redesigned in April once the weather warms up. Our assistant manager is Emily Miller, our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin, and our ad operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. That's all. Thanks for listening. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. 
Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. 